Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is a pro wrestler, author, pro, uh, broadcaster, business development advisor for Lightning One Inc. Nick, Nick has been a professional wrestler since he was 18 years old, starting in Norfolk, um, England. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, uh, after receiving a break at 21 years old, appearing on Gladiators, the UK version of NBC's American Gladiators, he caught the eye of uh, Impact Wrestling, which at the time was the top-rated show on Spike TV. After a six-year run with the company that saw him become the first British wrestler to win their world championship, he decided to explore new horizons, and in 2017, he joined forces with Billy Corgan of uh, Smashing Pumpkins, right, um, who had uh, recently purchased the National Wrestling Alliance. Since then, the, the brand has been on a mission to establish a new uh, digital model for pro wrestling in the 21st century with their acclaimed digital series, 10 Pounds of Gold, an episodic show, NWA Power, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the gear, and I'll explain to you why. Uh, as well as other uh, digital projects, uh, Nick had his first book, The Superstar Body, published in 2015 by published, uh, Pitch Publishing and is about to launch a uh, uh, sports nutrition brand. And most importantly, that, that has become my catchphrase, by the way, Nick, you know, on this show. Most importantly, most the important. reason uh, Nick is here is because uh, wrestling has been part of my uh, life uh, since I was like six years old. So I'm talking about Captain Lou Albano, uh, Aryan Sheik, uh, all of the great greats, you know, uh, Dusty Rhodes and everybody else. Uh, you know, so I've been watching it. My dad was a huge fan. He passed passed on in 2000, but um, uh, but I've been watching it. Uh, and it's funny that um, I, I stopped watching it for when my kids were born because and in the earlier years, I didn't want them to like pick up some things that they were hurting each other but at one one night i was watching it late into the night my my uh kids just showed up and sat down next to me i guess it's in their dna to watch uh wrestling they started they started watching wrestling and uh uh it, it just has become part of our lives and and both of my kids are avid fans of all things wrestling and wrestling entertainment so Nick, welcome to the show, uh, and um, uh, we want to tackle the subject of managing your personal brand. As you know, the reason we chose this topic um, is that, um, you know, when, when you look at uh, entertainers and uh, uh, professional athletes uh, at their craft, what they do, whether it's, it's baseball players or basketball players or uh, uh, wrestlers or Olympians or anyone else, uh, quite a lot of them, I would say a huge percentage of them, because I come across this and I have a lot of meetings with them, uh, not, like not 90 plus percent of them or even more, they focus at the craft that they do, right? And they don't really take care of like what I believe is the thing that they need to do once that craft that they do, uh, either over time, uh, it has some sort of a shelf life or anything like that, so that for them to have continuity from uh, from growth and branding and, and things of that nature. So I think we will we will tackle a lot of those kind of questions. So Nick, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And 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 yeah, you 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 nailed it really because one of the things that I, I talk about a lot with uh, with with younger guys. I, I'm I'm 33 now. Um, so I'm in in terms of the wrestling business, I'm kind of in my prime. You know, most of the time, sort of the prime age for performers is kind of. 30 to 40 just because even though obviously it's a physical endeavor it, it usually takes that amount of time for someone to get the seasoning and the and the skills required and the experience required to sort of find out who they are and figure out kind of what what unique characteristics they can offer and and how they can connect with the audience so it's so usually i mean it's not always the case there are prodigies that sort of come up very early and you know and make a big big splash but usually it's kind of 30 to 40 but the one thing uh, I, I really wish that I had understood and grasped more in my twenties was the, the points you were just making. And, and if and if someone had articulated them to me in that way, uh, you know, and, and made it more about, look, this is your business for the long term, as opposed to because you, you get the advice, but it usually comes in the form of of a, of a an old wrestler or a former wrestler kind of going. Oh, you gotta, you know, gotta get ready for when out because you can't wrestle forever, and you just kind of go, eh, whatever, you know, like <laughs> you know, you're, you think you're indestructible. <laughs> it's kind of framed in that sort of negative way, right? Instead of yeah. instead of someone like yourself, you know, 
articulating it in, in that much more practical sense. Like you need to develop your brand for, you know, beyond, uh, you know, the, the, your, your time as an active participant or performer. Um, and it's something that I definitely have uh, really sort of really wrapped my head around in the last three years working with, with Billy and Lightning One, simply because we've really bootstrapped this whole brand. You know, even though it's an old brand, it was established in 1948. In many ways, it was really a brand new startup. You know, it was really just it, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of confusion, or you know, and, and sort of puzzlement in the industry of like, why is this rock star and this sort of young wrestler, and like, why are they why are they resurrecting this like old brand that no one's cared about since like really the late eighties, or you know, at least in a sort of mainstream sense. And and it was just this sort of unique combination of what I always say of of traditional values and a modern delivery system. So it's, it's really sort of given me this uh, new perspective of brand management and brand development on every level, not just, not just the brand I work for, but also my own personal brand. Yeah. I mean, just for context, um, NWA is an iconic brand. I mean, it, it has existed way before WWF or WWE, you know? Uh, so I think wrestling's greats like, uh, uh, Rick Flair, I think, came out of uh, an NWA wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, I believe. Sure. I mean, basically, uh, I mean, even the the WWF um, was originally the WWWF when it was just a northeastern regional promotion. Uh, I mean, it was still a very, very lucrative business. Probably the most lucrative uh, still at that point with with Vince McMahon's father, uh, Vince Senior. But they were a member of the National Wrestling Alliance. The NWA was more of a governing body. Um, it was a, a, a I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it was basically a, uh, an illegal trust, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was it was a, a, a group of different regional territories uh, that existed um, because obviously this is pre cable. So all of the, the television was syndication. So it was all local markets. And so basically these these different. Uh, promotions would exist in their own sort of fiefdoms where they had their own regional television. And, you know, this is during a time where maybe your average sort of local market might have had three or four channels. So they did incredible ratings, incredible shares, which then translated to, you know, very good live event attendance. And, and, and that was really how the, the whole ecosystem existed was the television really was not the, the, the earner. It wasn't that well, there was no rights fees, you know, mm -hmm. oftentimes, oftentimes they paid for the television spot because it was basically their shop window to all their live events. So it's, you know, the business model for wrestling or particularly for, uh, you know, the high level pro wrestling like the WWE or, or now that, you know, their, their competitor AEW, that's, that's completely changed because now the sort of the main pot of gold is the, television license fee you know so it's 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 really interesting to see how it's adapted and in many ways we at, at the nwa had almost uh brought back in some respects the the old-fashioned kind of territory model because we did our show uh, our, our episodic show nwa power which was a studio show which was what most of the regional shows were like so mm -hmm. it was that sort of retro forward kind of nostalgia touch but it was done in the you know in a modern way but in many ways, from a business perspective, it was done in the same way because obviously it was on YouTube, so it was free. We got no rights fee for it. Obviously, it was you know a, 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 a small amount of revenue from the from the advertising, but nothing really to write home about. But the idea of it was to drive people to pay per view and to merchandise and to live events. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I, I see a kind of a full circle, having been watching it for such a long time. Uh, that that shows like um, like WWE Raw and, and SmackDown, and then you have AEW. You know, uh, adapt the model that that NWA actually resurrected, uh, basically the studio show because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's the it's funny that the earlier shows that I watched on on both of those brands uh, were basically the earlier days of NWA power. You know. Like yeah. when you guys were trying to figure out like what works and, and how you want to make changes and stuff, they went through the same kind of thing. And now you have a lot of lighting and a lot of, you know, uh, excitement around it. There's 3D animation and stuff like that on the WWE show. Uh, and, and it's funny that 
you guys had already started. I think you've been you've been in this now for NWA uh, as a digital product uh, for for the past three years now, I believe, or, or yeah. a little bit over three years. Yeah, twenty seventeen was when we started you. Yeah. Yep. Actually, there is an iconic photo on my stream uh, where Billy Corgan, myself, and my my brother Gary V, and um, and uh, you know, so we actually had, um, and at that time also uh, uh, David Lagana. Uh, we actually met to talk about what we wanted to do and, and how should wrestling be done in, in 2017 at that time. So there's an iconic photo of us meeting to just discuss that. And the outcome of that meeting was, uh, you know, Billy said, oh, you know what, I, I, I have an idea about this NWA. I, I want to I think about acquiring it. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's, that was kind of the resurrection of, of the whole brand at that, in that meeting. Yeah, I, I know that they were very bolstered by um, by Gary V's, uh, you know, interpretation of it because he was very, he was very, um, he felt very strongly about sort of retro brands being kind of resurrected, like Converse and different things. He uses an example, and and that's really how we we saw the brand as like for uh, for existing for, for fans, you know, for, for for lapsed fans or for existing fans of the genre, would they kind of appreciate it on a kind of nostalgia level? But for newer fans, you know, for kids and stuff, that they just to them they see something that's totally new, you know, because the to your point, uh, you know, prior to the the COVID restrictions, um, traditional the, the 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 main sort of television wrestling format had been in place since about the mid nineties. Like the the uh, and and the actual the the current sort of television format was really established by Eric Bischoff at WCW with with Nitro. Oh yeah, it became this sort of uh, it was a, a live event um, done for television as opposed to a television show, you know. And it was a sort of big crowds, matches, guys coming out and doing promos in the ring, you know, guys sort of doing the you know do, do more of the storylines unfolding in a big arena rather than in a studio or, or at a sort of promo set. Um, and that, that format, you know, had been in place for, you know, at this point now you're talking 25 years. So for a lot of fans, they, that's their only point of reference, you know, for a couple of generations now, that's what they think a television wrestling show is. So when we came along with the, the studio show, which to, to if you're an educated fan, you know, is a sort of a throwback, but to, to a lot of fans, they went, wow, what's this? I mean, I remember uh, using my, my niece and nephew in England as a point of reference. And they were, my, my uh, niece was being born, was, was born right around the time I was uh, doing Gladiators, which was a big television show. You know, it was, <laughs> it was you know, big high rated show on the weekends in, in the UK. And I mean, I was on buses, billboards, you know, newspapers, magazines, stuff. So it was, you know, it was genuine kind of exposure. And they didn't care, and, and you know, because they're kids that they, you know, and and I mean, even I had an action figure and all this other stuff. And then even when I did, when I was working for TNA, and they had a very good television clearance in the UK, and actually were were beating WWE in the ratings in the UK during that time. Again, they you know they thought it was cool to an extent, like that they could say, "Oh, that's my uncle." But when we did NWA Power, because they're of that generation, that like YouTube is, like YouTube's their jam. Suddenly they're, TV. suddenly they're going like, Oh, my friend like wants, can you, can you sign something for my friend? Like, you know, and like suddenly they think it's so cool because I'm on YouTube, which is so funny because, you know, you hear a lot of fans that kind of go, Oh, they're just on YouTube. You know, it's just a YouTube show, you know, but like to these kids, you know, I think my, my uh, nephew, I think is 11 now and, and, or maybe 12. And, you know, my niece is a couple of years younger than him. And they're going like, this is so cool. Like I, I did the, I did. We, we partnered with RetroSoft Studios to do this Retromania game, and it's basically going to be a. Uh, it's the official sequel to, um, uh, what's it called? Re WrestleFest, I think it was the the, the game from nineteen ninety one. And and again, you know, I just thought oh, this is so cool, you know. But even my niece and nephews saw they saw the commercial I did for that, which was a deliberately over the top cheesy kind of eighties style kind of graphics and you know special effects and whatnot, and they just thought that was the coolest thing. And they was like, "I'm going to get that game for Switch. Like this is so cool. I'm going to play it." You know, so it, it's there is a method to the madness. You know, it's it, I think a lot of people. But by the way, I, I personally I personally love those those ads, retro ads that were broadcast during the show. I, I loved it when yeah. I, wa I was watching it. Just put me back to 
when I was a kid watching these things early on, you know. Yeah, and I think the thing for us was that it really, I don't know if there was any, you know, real deep strategy with that. It really just was like, hey, this would be fun, you know, if we did some of these sort of throwback commercials. But very quickly, I kind of saw a path with that to to a revenue stream because I kind of went, you know, if we get these commercials over, like we can start going to advertisers and saying, look, if you work with us, we'll make a commercial like this so that the, a bit like the Super Bowl, obviously on a much, much smaller scale where the commercials become part of the show. So people are mm-hmm. kind of sitting there going, oh, I want to see the next commercial as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, God, we'll sit through commercials, you know, because that's the biggest problem with commercials in general is that how do you make one that people actually want to see in, in the first place, let alone actually pay attention to and convert from? So we, you know, I said with if, if, if buying commercial space with the NWA also comprises of be, ha- having a, a custom-made kind of commercial for your brand done in this sort of retro style that immediately connects with our audience. And our audience are very, very loyal. You know, they're small, but they're, they're very, very loyal and very, very well converted. So I, I saw that as, a, as an immediate sort of extra significant revenue stream for the brand. So as you're growing up uh, as a young athlete uh, in, in wrestling, right? Um, who were you looking up to? Who, who was your mentor uh, that you, you looked up to and, and you got advice from? Well, I, I, I broke in, in in Norfolk, which is, um, I mean, Norfolk is, it's a beautiful county. You know, there's, it's very, very picturesque. Uh, it's become, in a lot of ways, where I, where I grew up in northwest Norfolk has sort of become a very, very popular spot for wealthy people to have second homes. It's a little bit, it's sort of become a bit like the Hamptons, you know, but it was very quiet, you know, very rural, very nothing happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, I remember when I, when I really, you know, decided that I wanted to be a pro wrestler, uh, besides horrifying my mother, I was also <laughs> kind of looking at it like, how am I, where am I going to go? You know, I, I at, at first I, thought, I guess I'll have to go to America. You know, I didn't, didn't really sort of understand at that point that there would be uh, ways for me to, to learn, you know, the, the business. But in actuality, it was way better for me to come up in, in the UK at that time because by, this was, you know, early 2000s. The, um, the, the, the scene, the independent scene in the UK was on fire. I mean, it was the, because we had the wrestling pro wrestling in the UK has always been a sort of a thriving business, just not a multi-million dollar business, right? Mm-hmm. It's always been a sort of steady, consistent entertainment, um, you know, for the, the, the general public. And the big part of that model was the holiday camps. So to try to describe holiday camps to Americans is always difficult, but they're basically somewhere between a, a, a vacation resort and like a campground, you know, like, but it's, it's a campground on steroids. It's a campground, but it's got sort of um, much more in the form of entertainment and uh, facilities. You know, there's usually pools and there's, and the big part of the, a lot of the Butlins are the biggest ones. The big part of their appeal is that basically if you, if you go on vacation there, all the entertainment is free. So they're constantly paying different acts to come in, you know, magicians and music and different. And one of their bread and butter acts is wrestling because it was cheap, self-sufficient. You know, the guys come in, they put their stuff up. They do, you know, wrestlers have always been uh, known in the entertainment business as being very sort of uh, turnkey, right? They don't need, they're very low maintenance. It's like mm-hmm. they just grow up, they do all their own stuff. You know, we're independent contractors. <laughs> we're not divas, you know, we're very like, we don't need anything. We're just like, you know, maybe have some, you know, have some bottles of water backstage, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know good enough, just, yeah. yeah, we just take care of ourselves. Um, yeah. And so it was a very popular form of entertainment. So actually as for a kid coming into the business, it was an ideal place to learn because what, because I had, had started lifting weights young and had, had sort of worked on my physical appearance. I was able to get booked quickly. And I, so I was wrestling five or six days a week in my first mm-hmm. year in the business, which is unheard of anywhere else now. You know, that would have been the case back in the 70s and 80s in the US, but not by the 2000s, that would have been unheard of. So the level of experience, because you can go to a school uh, and, and we're actually getting ready to, to look into opening an NWA training facility ourselves, you know, to train young talent. 
Well, there's only so much you can do, you know, in in a training environment, in a training school environment, you know, to learn this business and to learn performing, you have to perform. It's the same as music or stand up comedy or theater or anything. It's a, there's only so much you can do in a controlled environment. You have to sort of find your, you have to find your style. You have to find your beats. You have to find your personality, you know, and your rapport with the audience by working in front of an audience. So the, the opportunity to do that so frequently at such a young age was, was massive. So it actually ended up being really advantageous, you know, to in a, growing up where I did because I broke in with the Knights and, and many people know them now as the subject of the movie Fighting With My Family. Um, oh yeah, Paige. <laughs> yes, right, Paige's family. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I was trained by Ricky and Julia to start with and then I went to a couple of other schools and then I went to the US to train with Harley Race, uh, you know, and, and, wow. and I went to a school in Atlanta. I, I kind of made the point to invest in myself and I kind of knew that even then I kind of knew I need to go to a few different places to sort of pick up different things because I knew that the British style would teach me certain things, but I needed to pick up American style stuff if I was going to succeed in America, which is where the money is, you know, and I trained with some Japanese guys because I knew I, I needed to sort of understand that because that's the Japanese industry is another huge separate oh, yeah. industry. So I, I, I did try to make a point to, to learn different places and invest in myself. I mean, I've spent every, every penny I had to come over and train with Harley, you know, but it was worth it. I mean, it's still to this day, I've made lifelong friends and, and really picked up a lot and it, and it helped a lot now coming full circle with the NWA because before Harley passed away, you know, it, it, he was, because I had been, because I had gone to his school, he was able to sort of understand that and, and, you know, lend his name to us and, and give that sort of seal of approval, which is huge in, in terms of credibility, you know, for the brand. So, I mean, it, it all worked out, you know, th those little things kind of, they don't necessarily always pay off immediately. They might pay off 10 years, 15 years down the road, but they do pay off. Yeah. I mean, it's an investment in yourself over the long run. So let me um, kind of fast forward kind of the timeline now to, I think uh, in our human history, I think in, in, it was around 2008 or nine around that time when everything shifted, right? Uh, what you did before that, even though internet and e-commerce existed before 2008, but I think a humongous thing happened uh, in, in 2008 and nine. And uh, besides the financial crisis that everybody talks about, I think the, the major shift that happened is um, you, right? You as a person became the brand, right? And, and um, now you had the control to kind of manage your brand. And, and as in, whether you're an entertainer, a personality, e-commerce expert, doesn't matter, right? And, and at the forefront of it, I think it was, it was someone like Gary Vee that, you know, at, at the time when he was broadcasting and stuff, there, there weren't tools like this, like Restream and things like that to make it easy. But he did it, you know, at that time. So I think um, that shift, happened so when when um when you're looking at yourself at that time right and from 2009 time period forward now managing your brand i mean being part of nwa i think puts you on a digital platform because all the other brands that i see they're not really digital platforms they are primarily a tv uh tv based uh, uh platforms that utilize social media and they utilize digital but they're not digital native i think the resurrection of NWA as a digital native, I think, gave it a lot of power, and including the people who are in it, you know, all the, all the talent that's in there, to give them that that power. How did you see yeah, you, your shift from from that point forward on to today? Um, I think, I mean, I, I have to admit, I was a little behind the curve uh, on that, and and um, at the time. I was when we were when we were I was sinking my teeth into this. I just saw it as as an opportunity for me to sort of reinvent myself, but also as a way to finally be able to present my vision of myself in my own way. Because up until that point, my entire career in my twenties, I had worked for a, a big company with a multi million dollar budget with TV rights, and the, you know, TV was TV was God. You know, TV controls everything, uh, and so I was always at the at the at the whim of any number of people on any given day you know 
this this guy thinks that you should do it like this. So this guy thinks you should do it like this. And th- this guy wants you to be more like this. So this guy thinks that you're a snooty aristocrat. This guy thinks that you're a Roman gladiator, you know, and so you're, you're performing in a way where you're not, you're not really wrestling. You really have to sort of own yourself. You really have to, to command attention and you have to really be comfortable in your own skin. And it was, you know, it was so difficult for me to do that when you're constantly being pulled in different directions, because when you're a rookie, it's like, there's always someone going, look, just do it like this, listen to me, you know, and you don't get that chance to sort of find yourself. Um, with this, the, the, the approach from the, from, from the very beginning was we're going to be authentic. And what I mean by that is we're not going to create a false reality. We're going to work with reality and use that as the backdrop to, to create the compelling storyline. So our first major approach, our first major sort of storyline and presentation was between myself and uh, uh, Tim Storm, who was the current NWA champion. And the whole point of that was to, showcase the fact that this guy, Tim Storm, first of all, wonderful human being, one of those guys that when you actually meet him and speak to him, you just, you just, you get that aura. He has, a, he's a, he's a, a, a genuine good man. And he, you know, and he's a, and he's a, you know, he's a good deep, deep voice and he's an imposing looking guy, but he's, but you can tell there's a genuine warmth to him and his whole career, he'd been trying to present something else, you know, and we went, no, you're the, who you are is, is what's going to endear you to people. So we said, hey, he's not a big superstar. He's not this you know, hugely successful wrestler. He's a school teacher. Wrestling has never been able to be his full-time occupation. But he's damn proud of being the NWA champion, and he's a, and he's a real man. And then with me, instead of saying, this guy's Magnus, and he's a superstar, and he's been a world champion, and he's this and that, we told the truth and said, yeah, Nick Aldis had a, had a good run in his twenties. And then he decided to move on and things are kind of floundered. And, and it, it took all, it, it kind of took the audience because for once they went, Oh, we're not being sold something. You know, we're, <laughs> we're just, we're joining something on a journey. And that's been a real eye opener for me from, and, and that's, that's become our primary focus for the brand is, when the audience come with you on a journey, they, they stay with you for, for much longer because if they feel like they're contributing and they feel like they're part of the journey with you and they feel like they're, they're part of the team and they have an identity, you know, I wrote a, an article recently where I said, you know, there's a, a good solid number of people now for whom the NWA is in first place and they kind of mm-hmm. stick their flag in the ground and say, this is my first, this is my top wrestling brand, you know, for me. And it's because we, we gave them that ability to suspend their disbelief because we didn't give them anything that they had to, uh, they didn't, they didn't have to make any leaps because we didn't, we, we told them the truth and we used that then to, you know, to, to drive them to a, a, a match with a predetermined outcome. But because everything else was real, they went, wow, like I genuinely don't know where this is going to go. I don't, you know, we didn't, there was no, there was nothing to telegraph the ending or the next chapter because it was all real. And that mm-hmm. was the same thing that we did with, with me and Cody all in and, you know, some of the other big milestone events that I've been a part of in the last three years. And the result is that <laughs> I would say, despite being on television on a major network for six years, having beaten Sting, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, you know, Samoa Joe, all these big names, I have more, my, my level of respect and credibility in the industry is, is the highest it's ever been based on this YouTube, you know, on this digital brand. Awesome. I, I think, uh, I actually have two, two different questions for you. One, when I look at, um, you know, the wrestlers that have actually pivoted from just being a wrestler, right, to being um, something else, right? Uh, one, the humongous name, in the industry is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Uh, I mean, he had, it, it's funny, uh, Rocky Maivia, you know, or, or the earlier days of uh, 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 The Rock, you know, the way he used to dress compared to what he he became. And then, and then he pivoted to uh, movies and stuff like that. The personality actually, a lot of his personality kind of comes through. So that's one name that comes to mind that pivoted really well to 
uh, another completely another career basically right and he's now resurrecting a lot of franchises that that may have failed over time you know and then he's he's reviving them that's one big name i i can remember that did a great job with that and the second name uh another wrestling's great is uh diamond dallas page uh ddp right with with the whole thing around yoga and meditation and and you could even see the um uh, on hulu i think there's a special with jake the snake um roberts you know uh, and how he helped I, I think he has helped quite a few other people too um i think razor ramon was one of those other guys oh, too yeah. scott hall um given that like it seems like i mean in case of Dwayne, it happened uh at the prime of his career in case of ddp after um wcw was done i think he had a very maybe short stint or no stint at wwe but then he pivoted and did this um and and he's been known uh, for helping a lot of wrestlers so that's another kind of from a career standpoint that that was a good pretty good shift i think he has been part of some of the skits in uh, AEW. i think recently I, I saw him there too now when, when i see the wrestlers uh they should each wrestler should be a digital brand by themselves right their their presence on instagram the you know twitter uh youtube in fact also and i when i say that i don't mean playing out the character you know wh whatever character in your case you know the nwa champion and and the storyline and continuing that that's one part of it that's part of your nwa wrestling part of your life it's the other passion gary b calls it the side hustle uh, you, it, it's it's between midnight and 3 a.m. You're working on it, and there's no cameras on at that time, right? Uh, it, it, if it's basket weaving or if it's a uh, sports nutrition brand, in your case, you know, uh, things like that. I think it needs to start early. Like uh, th there's a very young wrestler right now uh, in the in, in WWE, uh, Ricochet. Right? I really like him. I really like him. Um, or EC3, I think you worked with him too. Uh, yeah. Another very talented wrestler, in my opinion. Um, now, if if they focus just on wrestling, right? What happens when uh, when when there are times like this with COVID nineteen? There's only so many slots available for for people to show to do a show and do a storyline and stuff like that, you know. But if you have these other aspects of 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 you that uh, wrestling is one part of your life, not the only thing, right? then you have all of these other things that you could be doing, right? Uh, and, and you can lend your name to those kinds of uh, activities. So I think in your case, I think you're, you're actively involved in it. I think you have a sports nutrition line. You, do you want to uh, jump into how you got in, involved with them? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of launching it now. Uh, and I'm, I'm basically working with the, working with the uh, distributors on the, on the products and, and um, figuring out uh, the, the most streamlined um, uh, way to, you know, which, which platform I want to use for selling and things like that. And basically I'm in the sort of, I'm in the fun stage of it now where, where I'm sending it, sending different designs and, and uh, names and stuff out to, uh, you know, the, the, fortunately the, the vast number of people that I've been able to sort of acquire over, over the years as trusted uh, advisors, you know, male and female and guys who are, high up in the industry, Olympic athletes, all the way down to, you know, like personal trainers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that the, the point you made about um, being being a bit more robust uh, in a in a very uncertain environment. So for a lot of people are aware of the fact that I was offered a contract at AEW very early on before they started on TNT several months before, in fact, and at the time, I said, I, you know, I appreciated it, um, but I was, you know, I, I wanted to stay with the NWA, and a lot of people would look at a decision like that, um, and you know, and, and also that the, the conversation, you know, there's been a, a perennial conversation about me as as far as WWE is concerned as well, and it's sort of, and a, a lot of the time, people kind of might see it and think that I preferred being a big fish in a small pond. But the way I look at it is by being so synonymous with this digital brand, as long as this brand exists, I exist. And I know that by helping to have, you know, to really have developed the entire brand identity that has become so synonymous with me, 
it's such a symbiotic sort of relationship that I now have access to that that platform to promote my own interests moving moving on from it as long as there is some some sort of relation to it so if i was to go to AEW or wwe for example you know i'm not going to be able to go hey listen i've got this sports nutrition brand i want to launch you know do you think you can help me you know i could i because they're going to say well no because if i if we do it for you i have to do it for everyone but with the nwa i absolutely can i absolutely can utilize what you know what we've built here to help me you know, promote my side hustles. So in, in, in many ways, I'm looking at this as a, as a more practical way for me to develop some of my more entrepreneurial endeavors. And that's a big, that's a big part of it because it isn't, you know, again, it's betting on yourself. You know, it's tempting to be able to say, Oh, I could go to be on TNT and, you know, sign a six figure contract and yada, yada, yada. But again, that, you're putting your destiny in someone else's hands again. And for, for here, for me, I feel like I'm in control of my own destiny for better or worse. And if you're entrepreneurial and you, and you, like I have, if you've experienced the, the peaks and valleys of the wrestling business, you learn that sort of necessity breeds invention. So when everything's going great and you're flying, you don't, you're not thinking about like, oh, what should I, I should be preparing my next mm-hmm. revenue stream. I should be preparing my next source of income. You know, but when you've had enough, when you've had enough of those uncertainties, and you know you're in a situation now where even though look, I, Billy's very wealthy, but he's not going to throw his money away. So it's kind of like this business has to perform. Mm-hmm. I personally, I I get such a rush from that. Like I enjoy sort of feeling like I'm on a mission. Like I've got to make this. I've got to turn this brand into a profitable brand. Like I've got to make this business work. You know, but and I think if I can do it with this, then I know. I can parlay that into other successful brands and I can learn much. I've learned so much more here than I would just being another guy on the roster of a big company with a huge budget. So for me, a lot of it is about my own personal development as, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I I think if you, um, if you identify what those things are and, and it's not necessary for you to know what those things are, right? Uh, Cause it's a journey, right? I mean, you might start out by by uh, mimicking others. Uh, like, let's say you go like, okay, you know what? I could do this uh, yoga thing. I can do the meditation thing that DDP does. But DDP does that, not you. You know, it's uh, when when you are looking at um, uh, you know the Rock, and you because there are so many other wrestlers. You have seen them have a kind of a small role in other things. Um, you. Um, uh, you know, you think that you would achieve the same thing, but that that works for the rock. It doesn't work for you, right? I, I think if you take it as a journey and, and you take it slow, slowly and, and kind of understand what those things are. I mean, what, one other name that while you were talking came to mind is uh, uh, a woman wrestler named uh, Tori Wilson. Uh, she also does. Uh, I was going to Tori too. Yep. Yeah. So that's, um, I don't know if something's going on with my mic. I hope that everybody are you listening to me fine okay so um so that's the that's the thing that i i would think that people who are watching this you know if if you're a young athlete or a professional athlete and so on uh, i think you should give yourself a try like there are so many things you would do you know what it will fail 100 percent. it would fail you should be okay with that you should be okay with okay you know what i tried that it's not for me and and you're gonna find what that thing is however i would completely maximize uh, everything to do with your personality right let's say if you are an nfl player or whatever and then you do your signings and uh you, you do your virtual shows or you do in-person shows or anything like that right? you know once we are outside the pandemic right uh you should do those things but maximize doing all of it right but what i'm what we are talking about today it has nothing to do with any of that stuff like getting yourself out of that element and doing the uncomfortable stuff because uh, as you know in the gym and as you can see i don't go to the gym at all you know so going into the i'm going to use the analogy though right when you go into the gym the growth happens when the pain starts right that's that's the that's that's when when you get the maximum amount of growth because you're tearing the muscle it's growing and and you're yeah, and, and you're pushing yourself 
you, you know, uh, you know, there in his in human history, uh, you know, people had not run a certain number of miles in certain amount of time, right? Until that one person beat it, and then they became the thing, you know. Right. So, um, I, I think um, be open to trying, especially if you're in your twenties, right? And you're and you're breaking into that thing. You could be a young NFL player, or baseball player, or a wrestler, or and anyone, you could be a musician for that matter, right? Every year, try something, right? By the time you're 30, you would have tried, if you had started at 20, you have tried at least, if you give one year to each one of those things, you have tried at least, honestly, you can say, I tried 10 things. Uh, nine of them failed. It's not for me, right? Uh, I, I should not be selling, I don't know, fashion, because I'm not, that's not me, and I don't know what I was doing, right? But number 10, you're going to hit hit that. And then you know that that's going to be uh, your thing. And you, you could be managing that brand on the side. And it doesn't mean that it gets in the way of your career, right? You could be running your career. And if you get it uh, outside that hustle mode, right, when you're not doing midnight engineering, you, you are, then you could actually hire people to actually work for you to do those things while you're overseeing it. But when, when, there comes a time for you, let's say you make an energy drink, for, for instance, right? You, you said that you're in uh, sports nutrition. If you make that energy drink, and it, it and, and there have been plenty of acquisitions, um, whether it was Coca-Cola or Pepsi or, or EAS or any of these kind of great brands, they actually purchased those because, uh, they, you know, the entrepreneur made the product and it just pivoted to uh, an incredible adoption from a consumer standpoint. You could have that success story, right? But if you cannot have it, it's like you, you miss 100% of, of right. the at-bats you didn't take, you know, right. you didn't stand. You know what? I, I could strike out nine times. It's fine, you know. But the 10th right. time, at least I'm going to hit it, hit the ball. You know, I'm going to make contact and, and stuff like that. So that's just my uh, thinking. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I'm uh, 100%. And, and obviously, it, I like I said when I was promoting this, I'm very flattered that that um, you would have me on to talk about it because obviously you're, you know, you're a guru at this stuff. And for me, I'm I'm a rookie, you know. And I, <laughs> I, I, I like I said, I no, wish- no, Nick, you're on your journey. I, yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm a little late to the party, but I'm I, I'm I'm a fast learner. Um, you know, it's, you said something about uh, you know the the pain coming from. Uh, the growth coming from pain and that's i mean that's something i i say a lot and uh it's you know it's so funny because i when i i, I work with people online uh, and i do if you go to my website nickoldis.com and you go to the store i can i'll do a custom 90-day training and nutrition plan for you um and it's it, one of the things that i i get a lot from those people is they go I, you know i I'm, i just don't really know what i'm doing and i go that's fine that you've already you're already way ahead of, of most people by admitting it, you know, and I, and I explain to them, if you commit and say, look, you, there are 24 hours in a day. If you commit one hour, you know, to this and, and, get, and go, you know, it's not about time spent in the gym. It's about intensity, you know, creating some damage that you can then repair stronger from. It's such a great analogy for life because, like I think Jeff Bezos said, you know, you've got to put you, if you, if you, if you try to be comfortable all the time, you'll never be comfortable. But if you, you know, consistently put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you will, you will end up comfortable. And, and I, you know, I've been so engaged in that world now of that mindset, you know, the average millionaire has seven sources of income. So to your point, if, if you try 20 things and one of them works, that's one, you know? So you might have to try 140 things to get to your seven sources of income. But if you try 120 things, you've got way more chance of being a millionaire, you know, than if you just put all your eggs in one basket, this is going to be the thing that, that, you know, that makes me, that makes me rich. It's like uh, with this, with the sports nutrition brand, uh, with, with a a, a pilot I've been developing um, that I've sent off to a few people like with, with with another book that I'm working on, I'm not looking at any one of those things as, oh, this will be the ticket. This will be the one thing. I'm just looking at them all as like casting a line out now. Hey, I'm going to cast this line out and see if I get any bites. And 
if you've got if you've got 10 lines out and one of them gets a bite great you know and and it's like that's and that i the, the one thing i would say if if there are any any young wrestlers or anyone in the business listening to this uh i think that one of the biggest hindrances to that approach is is ego um because the wrestling business has a tendency to be a bit of a fishbowl um and there's uh, wrestling fans god love them very passionate about our industry but they have a insatiable appetite to enjoy in in people's failures you know and and revel in people's sort of uh failed attempts at particularly things outside of wrestling because they become very territorial you know so with rock it's like yay but for a minute he was resented you mm-hmm. know by, by fans for for sort of thinking he was too good for wrestling and you know and it was and he never said that he was like no man i love pro wrestling i'm a third generation guy i'm just like i'm i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be the biggest star in the world like i'm going i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on this i'm gonna go own all this shit and he did and like you can't you can't stop that you know that force of personality but a lot of the time there's this sort of there's this fear that exists and i and i know it because i experienced it of when you try stuff you either have a tendency to kind of half-ass do it because you because you don't want to seem like you're really really in in, in case it fails you know mm-hmm. and that's just the, just you're already losing when you have that mentality because you then go oh well i was just trying it i was just you know i wasn't really kind of but now i, I again learning from the nwa and our whole thing being about authenticity it's like the like the nwa for example did a show called Carnyland that mm-hmm. was you know, that was a, an attempt to pivot during COVID to sort of do a kind of wacky, zany kind of scripted comedy show, you know, wasn't necessarily our strongest suit, you know, in terms of the talent and stuff, but it was an attempt. Um, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't a rousing success, but it was like, if we just own it and go like, hey, <laughs> you know, we tried that, like people kind of, you know, you have, you have a bit more of a, uh, a freedom I had a, a really good conversation with a friend of mine, Rory Karpf, the other day because I had been I've been developing a pilot and I sent him a first draft, a rough cut. Um, and, and he, you know, had some tremendous insight because he said, look, the story here is that you are making it yourself. And he's like, you're not covering that in this, in this pilot. You're, you know, you're just doing it. And he's like, if you, if you make it clear to the audience, to your audience, that you're doing this yourself, like, you know, you're, you're, you're self-taught, like how to edit and, you know, direct and, and produce. It's like, they'll give you way more of a pass, you know, so that they won't, the expectation won't be as high because that's a big problem with wrestling fans is that they, they create these massive expectations once you've had a little bit of success. So like mm-hmm. the minute that you have a successful show or a successful event or suddenly it's like when's the next one going to be when are you going to get a roster when are you going to have a tv show when are you going to have a tv deal you know like when are you going to run arenas and it, and it becomes this thing where if you if you start really reacting too much to that you know you, you'll fall off because you have to go hey just just chill like we, we, we've got a plan here we we'll stick with us on the journey you know and that's um that's that's the one thing i've really sort of developed is that ability to go Hey, I'm trying something. Uh, it may or may not work, but I'm going to commit to it. And it, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, and I'm, I may not necessarily tell you about all of them as well. You know, I'll work, I mean, on, on a show like this, I will, but when I'm doing a wrestling related podcast, I'm not sitting there going, I'm going to launch a sports nutrition brand and I'm going to revolutionize the industry and yada, yada. It's like, no, because I'm not even really attaching my name too much to this sports nutrition brand because that's going to be limiting in the in the in the mainstream you know appeal of the brand if it becomes like a, oh a wrestler's sports nutrition thing there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are immediately turned off by that and i have the self-awareness <laughs> and that i'd rather make a successful brand than than a you know than a brand that has my face or my name on it you know because ultimately i want to own a successful brand i don't need my face or my name to be lumped on it you know and it's just that finding that balance of, 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 uh, checking your ego at the door and just, yeah, like you said, just learning to just try stuff and, and not being afraid to fail. You, you know, and in that example you gave of, of the hundred tries you did, right. And then seven things that succeeded. And now that has put you on the right, right track. 
the 93 things that failed, I, I, I would call that learnings. Like literally, if you take those 93 things and give it four pages each or three pages each, that's a book. Yeah. Even from that learning, you those learnings and fail, what you call failure and, and you're beating yourself up, the 93 things, two pages or three pages each of what you learn from those 93 things, that's a book you can sell on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> so given the thing that you thought that failed 93 yeah. times is, yeah. is a successful product that you could self-publish, get a publisher to publish it. I tried this, failed. I tried this, failed. Right. Great. There are there have been a lot of great inventors, you know, and and other business people that have failed tremendously, right? They've they have they've not failed hundred times. They've failed fourteen thousand nine hundred ninety seven times, you know, before right. before they got their Dyson vacuum cleaner, before they got <laughs> yeah. their light bulb, you know, you know, yeah, all, totally. all of those things. So, like, why do you think? I mean, I, I really love what you said about the ego, right? In the digital day and age, right? everything has a number associated with it right i did this post i got three likes i did this other video post i got 97 likes okay what did i cover in that 97 uh, like video that i maybe i can look at how i can modify it so i can go from 97 to 114 but why are you complaining about the three likes it's in your past move on you already had a success take that and see how you can amplify that like so the more you check the ego at the door, right? And by the way, it's the ego thing is not uh, uh, exclusive property of wrestlers. You know, <laughs> the ego thing. I've seen it. I've seen it uh, uh, in business with business people. These are not sports athletes. You know, I've seen it in in base as baseball players. I've worked with uh, former NFL players, and and the sooner they get to the place where where they believe that okay, you know what? Forget about the ego. Let's focus on what we need to sell. We need to sell eyeglasses we need to sell sunglasses we need to sell blue light filters and whatever it is right i'm not above that like if i if i take a blue light filter during COVID 19 and i can sell uh 50 000 units of it at, at 20 dollars each you know what there you go that's your million bucks right there you know yeah so yeah. so it's it's that kind of a thinking like checking the ego at the door i think does wonders for you uh from from and and but but not that you don't have a backbone it's more like you know the negative side of of, of ego right yes. if, you, if you can focus yeah. more on 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 the results and just like you do in the in the gym yeah the more ego, reps you do that yeah your ego is like having i think it's like having a very powerful weapon you know <laughs> it's, if you if you use it correctly at the right time it can be you know it, it, it's it's um you know it can be it can be a real help but if you allow it to control you too much or you use it at the wrong time you know, and you let it become engaged when it doesn't need to be, then it, it can really hinder you. And it's, you know, talking about what you said um, before about uh, about using, even using your perceived failures to sort of then finding a, another way for it to, to turn it into a success. One of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes is, resourcefulness is the ultimate resource. You know, you, you got to stop worrying about what you don't have and go, well, hey, if I'm resourceful, that's the ultimate got you know that's i'm i'm already so much more equipped than 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 the average person because if i can look at these five things that mean nothing but somehow manage to put them together and they mean something or the fact that i don't have the thing can be the thing that's you know that sets me off on the right path is that you know there's there's always like you said there's 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 always a a success buried somewhere in your circumstances you know, and, and it's, it's important to, you know, and a lot of that just comes down to your mindset, you know, like I've really, the last few years really focused on developing a morning routine and really working on my mind because again, like you referenced the gym earlier, I was like, well, I spend two hours a day on my body, but no time on my mind, you know, and, and then I would find that my mind would be my weakness. It would be, you know, because I would be easily triggered or be easily offended or easily, distracted you know and 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 lose motivation quickly at the first sort of hurdle the first perceived failure and working on my mind has been the, the the thing that's really pushed me forward in the in the last couple of years and it's what's helped me steady during this very weird covid time because it's like hey i've learned a bunch of new skills during this time like <laughs> i i took a couple of courses i've finally you know i 
force myself to learn editing because in my mind's eye, I could always see what I wanted the final product to be, but I always just left it to someone else. Oh, he's, he's an expert at that stuff. He'll do it. You know, no, you do it, you know? <laughs> and, and now I'm looking at it and going, wow, if I can keep learning this and, and really, you know, the more reps I get with this, like within a, I get really excited about thinking where I could be six months from now or a year from now and go, well, I could do this for other people. I could do this, you know, and, and because I've always loved advertising. When I was a kid, my parents always said, he's going to be in advertising because I would, I would mimic commercials I saw on TV and I would say, Hey, this is how you would sell this. And they'd go, well, that is quite a good idea. You know? So, so there's, there's a part of me in the, you know, that's always been kind of into promotion and advertising and, and sort of, you know, and that's why I think I fell in love with the wrestling business because it's it's an immediate um, sort of emotional manipulation to get you to a point, you know, where you're going to part with your money. And it's like that's it's a fun game, you know, and it's like it's exciting to it's 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 like gambling, you know. It's like, hey, let's see if this one works. Oh, this one works. You know, this one got a bunch of people to part with their money. Oh, this this approach maybe not so much. And and one thing I wanted to expand on with what you said as far as the. Um, the social media stuff like, Oh, I posted this one thing and it didn't get that many likes. And I did this other thing and analyzing it. I would also extend that to looking at other people because another thing that happens in wrestling a lot is it's very easy to look at the success of other people and sort of resent it and be like, Oh yeah, well that's just because he's got this or that, or, you know, and instead of actually really looking at it and going, so what, what is it about this, you know, this guy, like the young bucks or Cody or Marty's girl or, you know, these guys who sort of really were DIY and sort of self-made kind of brands and stars, they were a huge influence on me because I sort of, I was kind of lagging behind them because I, because I'd been sort of living in this sort of pampered, like, Oh, I'm under contract. I just get paid. And you know, someone else will take care of that stuff for me. And then I kind of ended up on my own. It's like, it was like being stranded on a desert Island. Like, Oh, what do I do? You know? So and it was thanks to guys like Marty and stuff. And I started going, Hey, yeah, I could make my own vignettes. Like I could hire a guy to shoot this and that with me and, and put this thing together and, and market myself. And, you know, so now, and, and now I don't even do that. Now I shoot my own stuff and, and put it out like wrestlers coming into the business. When I came in, your, your source of contact was you emailed, you might email a promoter, right? Like, or even call them on the phone still. If they were like Brian Dixon was old school, he didn't have, he, he checked his emails once a week. <laughs> but but for the most part, early 2000s, you might send an email with, with an attachment of a picture, right? Before that, you sent an 8x10 in the mail. But, you know, then a few years later, it's like now you send a link to a YouTube video of one of your matches, you know, and then you send like your Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Now, if you, if you're, now you need to make your own vignettes. Now you need to like produce, direct and edit your own like a trailer, you know, if you're going to stand out because everyone else has got all the other stuff. And it's like that, that's the progression. It's like, how bad do you want it? Do you want to, are, are you going to learn those skills? Because trust me, m most good wrestlers, most successful pro wrestlers are actually also producers. They also, they, they just don't know it. They also have a, a mind for producing because they understand the, the, the flow that has to happen and the, and the, emotions required and the kind of the journey you have to take the audience on that's producing you know so it's 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 understanding the skills and then kind of looking at them and, and deconstructing them and developing them i mean well, one example huge example uh you know uh that i want to bring up it's actually staring us in the face is um billy corgan himself you know there is no reason like literally if if you think about it from uh purely consumer perspective, right? Uh, there are zero reasons for Billy Corgan to be doing anything with wrestling, right? Zero, right. like literally. For him, that's his side passion, that's his passion that he, just like me, you know, I'm doing e-commerce, but my passion is wrestling also, uh, that that I'm willing to uh, invest in it. And, and in his case, he's investing in it to have this NWA brand and, and so on. And to him, that's a very big example of um, a successful rock star uh, having a side hustle that's a that's a humongous brand now with with NWA and and and, and how he has pivoted in the whole industry to basically what wrestling should be in 20, 2020 basically you know 
Um, so that that's a, that's a very interesting uh, angle too. Like a musician turned into like a uh, owning a um, a wrestling brand and running that wrestling brand on a day to day basis. You know. Yeah, he's he's um, you know, he he's a very unique guy. Um, you know, and and he's still working. Uh, you know, very hard on his music, you know, in, in, in 2018, which was really when we, uh, when, when the, when the brand really kind of got some rocket fuel with it, with, with all in and, and everything that came off the back of that, he was touring arenas. So he was sort of, uh, he was kind of in between his gigs. I mean, he couldn't even be at all in because he was performing that night. So it was, you know, so he, I remember. <laughs> yeah. And so he's been, um, He's been a, a joy to work with, you know, in, in a lot of ways because he's it's just so different because he he is able to he sort of owns his emotions on it. Like he, mm -hmm. he and he doesn't try to he doesn't try to sort of he doesn't hide anything from me. You know, if he if he doesn't like something or he's upset about something or in a bad mood, he he just he'll just say it, you know, and the, and which is such a refreshing change from a lot of the time in wrestling where you sort of you know that something else is going on but they're kind of telling you like, no, everything's fine, you know, and then suddenly you get, you know, suddenly you get screwed, you know, or something happens. And, and with Billy, the collaboration and the communication is very open. It's not always necessarily positive or negative. It's just, it's very honest. And uh, I have, a, I, I feel a freedom to be able to speak my mind uh, with him on any level, which then basically means that the trust you know, becomes more solid because once he knows, all right, this guy's in it to win it. You know, he's in it for the long haul. He wants to build and develop this brand. And I've told him my intention in the end is to own a piece of it. You know, I, I, I want a piece of equity because I believe that we can turn it into, a, you know, a, a, a nine, 10 figure brand. So it's like, of course, of course I want to explore the possibility of owning a piece of it, but I'll earn it, you know, but I'm, I'm like very open with my intentions on it. Like, hey, I'm coming for a piece of this. If we're, if, you know, if we're going to turn this into a hundred million, two hundred million dollar brand, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming for a piece of it. And he's kind of laughs. So, okay, you know, like, and, and, and it, that's where the, the trust comes from. For example, with the, the training facility, it stemmed from a different idea I had pitched him for a series for our Patreon. And he kind of went, uh, I'm not sure I see it. You know, I kind of know. So I went, okay, no worries. I'm going to try it anyway, because if, if you don't like it, I'm going to probably use it for my own, you know, channel, whatever. A few days later, he calls me and says, what if we did an NWA facility? You know, suddenly it's like from here to <laughs> here, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then we can do a series all around that. And I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was, I was talking about an idea that would cost a few grand and now we're talking about a few hundred, but all right, you know, like, and, and it's, you know, it's, it, he had, he had that, you know, that time to sort of stew on it and think on it. And then went, this could be, this could be something. And, and now it's, now we're really talking about a, a high level of trust because he's basically going, all right, put your team together. I'll allocate some funding to it and we'll figure it out. And, and you guys just go do it, you know, go fit, you know? And so for a bunch of me and my, you know, my buddies who are all in our sort of early thirties and just all kind of in that same position, we've been wrestling for a while, but we all really want to sink our teeth into something a bit more, a bit more challenging. It's like super exciting, you know, scary, but good, scary. <laughs> good. Uh, so, um, for, for, for the young athletes, young musicians, young talent, um, what is what is Nick Aldis's hundred thousand dollar insight, expert insight, uh, that advice that you want to leave them off with uh, that that they should do, uh, starting like like literally off of this video right in the next minute? I would say uh, to when it comes to your 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 all of your social media platforms and all of your basically your 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 window the, the window that you create with your audience to yourself there needs to be a level of authenticity to it if you if you present something very larger than life and very you know supernatural or over the top or anything that's absolutely fine but always try to remain in the mind of someone who is 
not necessarily completely clued up to everything you're doing. Always try to put yourself in the in the mindset of someone who's seeing you for the first time and going, if I'm seeing this for the if I'm if this is the first thing I see of this guy, is this gonna make me intrigued to, to delve deeper and to go further and become a fan, or is it gonna make me is it gonna put me off, or is it gonna make me too confused? Uh, and and to me, I think that what I've found in in my career is that embracing the authenticity of your situation and then developing that dialogue with the audience, they come on the journey with you. And like I said earlier, if you know, telling ain't selling. If you if you're telling the audience to support you, they they're kind of like, eh. but if you tell them that you appreciate their support and you and you ask them to sort of come on this journey with you and kind of be on your team that, that then 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 it works and they come with you and, and they stick with you for good and i mean i i talked to someone yesterday uh on a on a zoom call who's one of our one of our top level patreon subscribers um they were fans of billy's they live in california and billy because billy had basically asked his fans for their support for the nwa they flew out to Atlanta and they'd never, they didn't watch wrestling. And now, you know, husband and wife and their daughter are all diehard NWA fan. Cause they're like, this was so fun. This was, you know, because they, because they came with a, they came with a sort of open mind and a, and just a, a sort of expectation of, of, of enjoyment. And they, and they got it. And now they're like diehard fans. And so now they're talking to me, you know, and it's, and uh, it, it's, it's about creating that level of, of trust and communication with your audience and understanding that it's a symbiotic relationship. Like they're on the journey with you and, and, and they're kind of on your team. Well, Nick, thank you for joining me today and, and sharing and kind of unpacking your entire personal brand and, and your journey with us. You know, I really appreciate having you on, on the program. I, I appreciate you asking me. I'm very flattered. <laughs> uh, it's always a pleasure, you know, to, to me, uh, uh, you know, when, when you are, when your passion coincides with, with your business, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and, and I'm very lucky to have that kind of a, a crossover between those two things. Uh, thank you for being part of the show and, uh, and uh, have a good day. You too. Thanks, Sabir. Okay. Bye-bye.